Amen. Good morning, Power Place. It's good to be in the house this morning. My name is Isaiah. I'm the lead pastor here at the Power Place. And the Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. That's why we're here. It's why we exist. And we want to join hands with you and walk this journey with you. Um, this to us is a partnership because we say, hey, listen, if you'll come with us and walk with us, all we're doing is following him. That's all we're doing. We're just following Christ. Wherever he goes, we're going. And so if you follow us, we're just going to happen upon him, and we're going to do this thing together. His presence is the most important thing in this house. I hate to let you know, but you're not the most important thing this morning. He is. And so what, what's exciting to us is that you're not the most important thing, but you get to enjoy it with us. Just like uh, uh, literally, we, we love how, how God shows up every week, no matter what. And so what we do is we come together as a staff and we steward services and we, we plan and we strategically lay out our years and all that stuff. And then we take it and we hand it back to the Lord and we say, wreck it, do whatever you want. And so I love how God works and continues to work because what he does is he starts to build in and through us. And, and, and then we start to see his plan come to pass. It's not our plan. It's his plan. And so he just pours and pours and pours, and we're just lucky enough to receive everything that he is, and, uh, and this house will always be a house of obedience. Look at your neighbor and say, we're a house of obedience. So if he says it, he means that he's going to do it, and we're just going to fall in line. Amen. Amen. I'm excited uh, for part two this week of Giant Slayers. Uh, this week, we're going to be dealing with the giant of fear. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, fear no more. <laughs> he reigns. He reigns. Fear. I want to dive into uh, the giant of fear, and I want to start to peel back some layers. I think that's the greatest thing that we can do in church is start to peel back layers of scripture and start to get understanding and clarity. And maybe this morning, fear for you, uh, it might be not having enough money or public speaking or flying uh, or being far from home or spiders, failure, rejection, losing a loved one, d disease, pain, death, all of these things above. That might be what triggers your fear. If you talk with someone that's maybe a, a, a psychiatrist, they might, they might talk to you about the things that trigger you. What triggers your fear? Because to me, the thing that triggers your fear needs to die. Because that's the thing that's putting you into a pathway where you're walking towards what the enemy wants for you, which is a traveling mind. See, a sound mind comes from God and only God. And a traveling mind, this is the, the devil loves to divide and conquer. So he loves confusion. Confusion is his playground. Confusion is recess time with the enemy. He loves confusion. So if he can come in and start to divide and conquer and divide and conquer and start to play with your mind, once he has your mind, it leads right to your heart. And so that's the way he loves, he loves to come in and play. And so what we do is we say, Lord, I give you my mind. I give you my obedience. And in those moments where I have these, these, these uh-oh moments, I give it right back to you. And I take back control and say, Lord, it's yours. The words fear and anxiety, they're, they're, they're tossed around today like it's, it's no big deal. Have you noticed that? 
Have you watched TV lately and all the commercials about mental health and it's okay to not be okay? We got rid of cable because I was sick of it. I'm done. I'm so sick and tired of all of this brainwashing coming from the head down of this nation. And it's crazy. And what they do is they start to, they start to make it okay to talk this way. And so now it's really easy to be walking into giant and be like, man, I really, I'm, I'm really anxious right now. And now you start teaching the next generation about being anxious in the most natural environments. I'm just going to get food, but now I'm anxious all of a sudden. And now we've got this environment where we're teaching the next generation how to be anxious in every environment. And this word has become so loosely used that we hand over to the enemy. We say, here's my words. And he loves it. He loves it. He eats it up. And like, hey, I love that you're anxious about, about just even going to a store. How about being anxious about your bills too? Well, duh, I'm anxious about my bills. And so then you start to pay bills and all your children and everybody else around you is like, man, I'm anxious. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the payments. And now you're just, you just live in this life of, of angst. You're just anxiety driven. And everything you do is... It's fear-based. See, fear, fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit, and we need to recognize it as such so that we can address it as such. When we actually look at fear as a spirit, then we can address it as a spirit. See, spirits need to be dealt with with authority with authority. And so when we come into uh, alignment with the heavenly father, all of a sudden the spiritual authority, anybody ever had a conversation with someone that just carries spiritual authority? And when you leave, you're like, man, something is different about them. They carry a conversation different. They walk different. They, they look different. When they walk into the room, the room's commanded around not just them, but around the Holy Spirit that's in them. Anybody ever had an encounter with someone like that? Like, man, I just want a, 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 a some kind of portion of that. I'll take a double portion if you're willing, Lord. Spiritual authority is given by the Heavenly Father. He's like, hey, I'm going to bless your obedience with spiritual authority. When you get spiritual authority, all of a sudden, the demonic are not fearing. You are not fearing. Let me rephrase that. You are not fearing the demonic. So anything that comes in your path, any spirit that tries to, to take over your household, your mind, your children, your wife, your, your, your husband, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, your spiritual authority steps back in and it's like, nope. Nope. Matthew 14, verse 24, it says, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was terrified and, and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray today. 
have your way. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into the room. We give you the room. We give you ourselves. We say, speak, Lord. We're here. We're listening. We're ready for all of you and all that you have. Pray that you would pour your spirit out today like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. What you focus on is what grabs your attention. Okay? Just understand, uh, I'll be having a conversation with my children, and I'll notice their drifting eye looking at something else. I'm like, are you even listening? Oh, sorry, Dad, I didn't hear what you just said. Yeah, I know, you weren't even looking at me. Your attention drifted. And when your attention drifted, you lost hearing of my voice. And this is what happens, and this is what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat. He, he saw Jesus and said, hey, he even told Jesus, call me. If it's you, call me. Jesus is like, come on, man. Get on the water. So Peter's like, all right. He said, come, let's go. And he stepped onto the water. And the moment he stepped on the water, all of a sudden, his attention went from the Father to the storm. And see, this is, this is what we do. We come into church. We're like, Lord, if it's you, call me. The Lord's like, come. Come on. Like, okay, I'm going. You get back in your car and like, oh, there's a storm. Storms, storms. It's called life. <laughs> Welcome to it. It's not all dandelions and unicorns in this place. Once you step out, you step back into real life. And if you're not spiritually sound, you will walk right back into the path of fear. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Last night, last week, we talked about the week, uh, the giant of mammon. Man, it is taking over. Why? Because our mind is consumed with can we make enough? This is the giant of fear. The moment that the father calls us, we go back to focusing on the storm. So when Peter stepped out of the boat and saw the waves and the wind and the rain, it was too much. The moment he started to doubt, he began to sink. You see, doubt is a driving force for fear to step back in. I felt in my spirit as I was, as I was praying that Psalms 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. As I was reading that verse, I felt in my spirit rise up, and the Lord said, he said, a lot of people that are going to be there on Sunday or listening online have read this verse, but they don't believe it anymore. So if you understand fear is a spirit and you address it as such, Psalms 34 verse 4 can be your verse. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I can stand on that and I can walk in that. You see, we say, we say things around here like fear go, Holy Spirit come. Because when something goes, there's a void that has to be filled. So if I'm going to rebuke fear and say, fear, you have to leave. Now I've got to fill that void with something. Some of you fill that void with alcohol. Some of you fill that void with, with uh, addiction online. Some of you fill that void with other things. Hear me. You got to fill that void with the Holy Spirit. You don't say fear, go, and then just go sit on your couch and drink a pack. That doesn't do anything. 
You hear me? You don't, you don't just say fear, go, and then go sit online for six hours and do things you shouldn't be doing. No, you focus and you say fear, go, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, pastor, you're getting a little offensive. I know this is what you need to hear. Let me be the person that helps you as a friend and as a pastor that comes in and says, hey, listen, let me be someone maybe you don't have. You need to stop focusing on the things of the world so that fear can actually go. Fear's got to go. It's got to go. Yeah, five people. We, and it was awkward because it kept going. Do you feel that? It's like, I'm going to clap until everybody else claps and then nobody else clap. Let's just all clap. <laughs> hear me, hear me. My goal is not to be your best friend. But your best friend should talk like this. Okay, okay. You should have friends in your corner that are calling you to this level. And when they do, all of a sudden you go to them, you're like, I've got some issues. And then you're like, no, have you prayed? Fear, go, Holy Spirit, come. Have you actually had a, an encounter with the Father? When was the last time you actually encountered him? No, I didn't say a calendar appointment where you just scheduled to read your... No, I said, when was the last time you actually encountered the Father? Because it's this moment and this area that literally takes you and makes you brand new. Oh, oh, I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this week and we were talking through daily encounters and, and, and I'm like, I feel every day that the Lord is waiting for me on the running trail. He's waiting for me. And so when I wake up in the morning, I know that there's an appointment out there with the Father, and I know he's waiting for me when I get there. And I start to get super emotional every time I, 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 I run because I, I get to this point, I'm like, the Father, I know he's right around the bend. And I have this like overwhelming, like, the Lord's just going to... And then, and then I run, and he, he, I feel him. He picks me up. Y'all think, I'm, y'all think I'm, I'm full of it. I'm so serious. And then I'm just thankful it's 5 a.m. Because like they got, you know, on, on the trail cams, they have like Danello and then they got me. Like, like straight up. They got pictures of Shirtless Danello and then they got pictures of me and Wilbur. And I'm just out there, my dog, me, and we're just, ah! <laughs> you think I'm joking. I'm literally like looking at the trees, like making sure there's no trail cams. Catching me. I'm not running to Longwood Gardens, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Here's the thing understand, God is waiting for you to encounter Him. So if you have an appointment with the Father, He will show up. He will. So now, in this moment, in this area, when you know that the Father will be there, Oh, I, I wake up in the morning and that's what gets me out of bed. I'm like, I got to go because I had an appointment with my father. I've got to get there. I got I to gotta be there in that moment. I know he's with me everywhere, but I know he's going to meet me on the trail. So it's this, it's this drive to get into the father's presence and hear his voice. Because when I do, I know that things are going to change. When I was uh, a young boy, probably seven or eight, I was at a church um, and and there was this massive bathroom, men's bathroom. And I went into the bathroom and I went to the last stall and I knew the janitor there. 
His name was Tom. And, and so I'm, I'm in the bathroom and all of a sudden the lights go out. And I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm just a little kid. And it's, it's like one of those like 30 stall bathrooms, you know, you ever been to Shady Maple? I was down at the end. Okay. And, and I'm in there and the lights go out and I'm a little kid, you know, and I'm like, Oh, Tom, Tom, nobody answers. Nobody comes. And you know, at that point I didn't have a cell phone in my pocket. Like we all do today. Didn't have a light up watch. Cause those didn't exist. So I'm, I'm like, Tom, Tom. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm a little kid now fear strikes, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, there's something dangerous in here. I know it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh, Tom, please come help me. And I'm, I'm bawling. I don't, I'm, 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 I, I don't know the bathroom very well. I just know that there's a door somewhere. Oh, Tom. And I'm, I'm freaking out. And I finally get to the door where I open up in the light light. And I'm like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is a Lord. I'm saved. That's not a spirit. That's just darkness. I was a child. I was immature. And so being in that moment, I was afraid of the dark. I didn't have little demons in the corner being like, I'm going to get them. It's dark. I thought there was. <laughs> Fear starts somewhere. Fast forward. I was about 21. We had just gotten married, me and my wife, Brittany. And uh, we moved into our, our, our trailer. And, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're in a trailer and I, I, I would put the trash cans on the back corner of my house and the back corner of my house was kind of up against the woods. And at 21, I'm going out to get the trash cans. Whenever I get through trash cans, I would feel an overwhelming heaviness take over and I would get afraid of what was going to come from the woods. Yeah, you laugh. I was 21. And I would grab the trash can to start running through the yard like, oh, please, don't take it. But what you don't know is I was actually battling witchcraft and battling a spirit of Jezebel on a daily. And so what was actually happening is the spirit of Jezebel was attacking me even when that person wasn't around. I'm not afraid of the dark. But I was afraid of it. It was, it was a demonic presence. It was a demonic presence that was literally trying to take over my knowing of who the father was. So I remember, I remember, I remember the day I went out back and I started praying over that back end. Like, Lord, this has to change. I remember Jericho marching the house with Brittany multiple times saying, Lord, we stand. This house will not be affected by spirits of the demonic realm but we are going to stand on the Holy Spirit and just the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is there's a shift in your thought process because childlike fear, you know, being alone. I remember when our daughter Sloan started battling with fear in her, in her, in her room. You know, she'd be like, I can't sleep in here. I'm scared. And we started just singing, fear go, Holy Spirit come, over and over again. And then we'd leave her in there and we'd hear her in her bed. She's like, fear go, Holy Spirit come. And what she was doing is she was exercising those muscles. Ooh. She was exercising those muscles to where the, it came time where she kind of started soaring on her own. And now she's six, not three. And she's a little nugget of courage. And what happens is you start to build in 
to the next generation. We start to build into us. No, 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 no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. And so any other spirit has to go. Ooh, I got to stop. I'm telling you, this is so good. Fear starts somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, fear starts somewhere. Maybe for you, maybe for some of you in the room, fear for you started in a movie theater. Let me go here. Let me address this real quick. You're watching things you shouldn't watch, and it's tainting your mind and numbing your spirit. You're attracted to the fear side of movies. Be careful. It leads somewhere. Let me help you here. Let me help you to understand that those environments and those areas were built strategically to implant demonic activity. Oh, you think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. That's why when you go to your car at night, you're looking underneath, making sure ain't nobody down there to slit your, your Achilles tendon. You think I'm joking. You get, but it gives me a thrill. I love it. Be careful. That thrill leads somewhere. Be careful because what you're letting in your eye gate and your ear gate is affecting your heart, which affects your mouth, which is why you have no influence and no spiritual authority. God can't use you because you're so numbed down to the world. Literally everything that you do just is off the thrill of what's next and what can I do and what can I surround myself with that the Lord's like, I can't use that. I'm going to need that person to be sanctified and, and rejuvenated. I'm going to need to do something with that. But you're so numb because you've entered into this area that's scary. And so protect your eyes. Lester Summerall, I'm getting ready to dive into a lot of scripture, so just, just get ready, okay? Uh, Lester Summerall, Lester Summerall was uh, uh, in his room, and a, a demonic presence came in through the window and started shaking his bed to the center of the room. So Lester Summerall just sits up and he goes, demonic presence, you got to go, leave. And so it left. Well, his bed was in the middle of the room, so he called it back. He said, hey, get back here. Came back and he said, put my bed back. Shook his bed back. And he said, now leave. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, this is not made up stuff. This is real life. And so when we understand that things are after you, trying to get your mind, trying to get your heart, trying to pull you away. Now you look at it different. Now it's not just, oh, I wonder if, or oh, that, or oh, this. No, it's, I know he's after my heart and my mind, and so I'm not going to give him anything. And so I start to protect myself on a crazy protection level. CPL. I had to do that. I had to do it in my brain. You need CPL. Crazy protection level. It took me a while. I was like, oh, what's the, oh, okay. Crazy protection level. You need it. You need it because if you don't have it, it will be very easy to fall right back in. Be very easy. Smith Wigglesworth. I'll read this one. He never felt threatened by the devil. On one occasion, Wigglesworth awoke during the night, aware of a satanic presence. Looking across the room, he saw the devil himself standing there. Wigglesworth said to Satan, oh, it's only you. Then he turned over and went back to sleep. One night, he was awakened by a creaking sound in the downstairs parlor. Wigglesworth took his candle and started down the steps. The creaking grew louder. A foul, death-like odor filled his nostrils. As he approached the room where the sound came from, 
he felt the air turn cold. Peering into the room, he saw the source of the creaking, a figure in his rocking chair. As he stepped closer, he saw that it was the devil himself. And he said, oh, it's only you. Wigglesworth said as he blew out his candle and returned to his bed, the only fear I allow in my life is the fear of the Lord. (laughs) What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Oh, I'm going to need some help. I'm over here getting attacked left and right. No, you look at it straight in the eye and you say, you go, you foul, evil spirit. You have no place here. There's no spirit, but the Holy Spirit welcome in this house. Man, we got to start standing sometime. I'm telling you, when you start to stand as a believer and you say, fear, go, foul, evil spirit of fear. You can stand on something. Don't let doubt take over your mind and start to veer you off. Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. So let me ask a question here. Is he your God? Because if he's your God, you don't have to fear. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall serve him with awe-filled reverence and profound respect and swear oaths by his name alone. So if I'm to fear one thing, it's only the Father. And what does it look like to fear God? To constantly want to be in line with him. So my attention is always focused on being in line with the father. So the moment I start to get off, I feel it. And I I, I pull back into alignment with the father. And it's this constant attention. This constant attention continually Lord, right here. Second Timothy 1.7. We all know this one. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So this is where it, it starts to break down in Scripture that the Lord didn't, didn't give us the spirit of fear. So the spirit of fear had to come from somewhere. That's where we say it's demonic. It's very clear. This is why we say the Bible is so clear, we confuse the daylights out of it. The Bible is clear. I am not to fear because fear is from the enemy. So I can have a sound mind through the Father. God gives me a sound mind to walk in strength and not waver, not be bounced around. It's my attention that goes off that gets me to waver. So the responsibility now goes off of him and back onto me. Lord, where have you gone? No, where have my eyes gone? It's my responsibility to keep my attention on him. And so I focus directly on him continually so that I don't lose sight of where I'm headed. Ooh, you ever tried to drive to the store only looking in your rearview mirror? This is a tough one. Really tough. 
You'd have to be going backwards, which would be a lot of fun, I've got to say. No, you can't go forward when you're looking back. But this is, this is the problem. This is where we get. We, we, we are constantly checking side mirrors and, re, and the background. It, it, it's just, a, I'm, I'm only focused here. I'm never focused on driving. And so what happens is the enemy loves to play on our distractions. Ooh, ooh. He loves to play on our distractions. So the moment you're distracted off of your call, Well, I don't know what my call is. Well, let's just go Bible. Number one, your first call is to find him. So you got to get your heart right. Your second call is to go be fishers of men. So what does that look like? Just go be Jesus with skin on. Go start to share Jesus' love. But you have to be going somewhere, not distracted by what's around you. And if you want to gain traction and go somewhere... Keep your eyes focused on him, and he'll lead you every step of the way. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. That's a promise. Do not, do not, Be anxious about anything. Don't let your mind wander to anxiety because of what a doctor spoke over you. Now, listen, hear me. I love doctors. I think it's great. I think they're they're awesome and they have their place. The moment that they take over God's position is when they uh, subscribe to me something that I don't need. So when they hand me a slip that has a diagnosis on it that I don't agree with, and I have to start getting on pills to deal with my anxiety and depression, I might have a few red flags that rise. Why? Because my Bible says that's a spirit. So I can deal with that one on my own. So what you're saying to me is, if I have spiritual authority through him and the Holy Spirit residing in me, those things have to go when I let it out of my mouth. Ooh, ooh, you're going to get it. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna go somewhere. Are you ready to know the Father and his true calling on your life? And are you ready to trust him fully with the outcome? Let me go here for a second. Some of you hand God control for a couple hours. Maybe even a couple weeks. But then you're immediate to pull it back into your hand when things start to get crazy. You see, I love, 
Let me rephrase that. I love donuts. No, 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 you don't understand. I love donuts. I just felt the Holy Spirit come in the room. Right, right there. Donuts. I can smell them. I love donuts. I don't care what brand. It doesn't matter. If it's dough in a circle, I like it. I could have a donut any time of the day. I don't need donut time. Okay? Donuts don't need to just come in the morning. They could come in the afternoon. Surprise, they're at dinner. I don't care. I like donuts. You know what would happen to me if I only ate donuts? Some of you know, because you're on the same diet. <laughs> you know what would happen to me if I only ate donuts? Things would start to slow down really fast. My body wouldn't be operating properly because I wasn't feeding it the right nutrients. And so what happens is my love for something is now trumping my health. And for some of you in the room, this is how you deal with God. Because you love God, but the problem is you love the world more, and so you continue to eat the things of the world, expecting for God to deliver you from fear. But you just continue to go back to the donuts, expecting to change. You can't change on that diet. I don't care how many times you go to the gym. If the only thing you put in is donuts, you're getting donuts out. Okay, you're getting donuts. That, that's your. That's you. That's going to be you. If the only thing I put in is the things of the world, and every once in a while I eat a steak, what do you think is going to trump the steak? The things of the world. And so the problem is, what we do is we fill ourselves to uh, press down, shaking together and overflowing with the world, and then we expect that one little daily encounter to fix it. I just don't know why I continue to deal with fear. I'm so confused. Why, 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 why am I still in the same spot? It's been five years. Ho, 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 ho. You're going, you're driving, oh, you're driving after mental health rather than a relationship with the Father. You'll never achieve mental health without the daily encounters. Ever. 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 Hear me. You'll never achieve it through a conversation with a psychiatrist or, or a coach. I, hear me. He's the greatest coach. He's the greatest coach. So you want to come into alignment with the Father? The moment you come into alignment with the Father, he starts to clean you out. And he's like, hey, listen, this has to go. How oh, that hurt. This has to go. Oh, I didn't like that. And what do you replace it with? Holy Spirit. Pride go. Humility come. Ugh. Ooh, that one hurt. Anger go. Joy come. Ooh. But, but it, it was so easy. It was so easy to react. Yeah, it's a lot harder to control. But when you spend time in his presence, all of a sudden the reaction becomes a response. Ooh. 
Some of you didn't write that down, but you needed to write that down. Your reaction now becomes a response because when you spend time with the Father, he gives you clarity on how to deal with the discerning of spirits. Oh, this is good news. This is good news because now, now you don't walk in confused and chaotic. You walk in with a sound mind being able to deal with every spirit that comes in. Oh, and the moment that spirit's trying to come through the front door of your house, you said, hey, did you really think you were going to gain access? (laughs) Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Anger, you really thought you had a place here? Wait, I'm confused. I'm confused because I made it known to you. How dare you root your ugly face in this house? Get out in Jesus' name. You can't have any access here. So I say, go, Holy Spirit, come. And now I start standing on the word of God and I start standing in spiritual authority. And now what I face knows my response. And he gets frustrated and angry and he starts to come at you even more. And this is why most of the church is struggling today because they don't understand. I gave my life to Jesus. Isn't it supposed to get easy? Nope. Let's just have a a reality check. No, it's not supposed to get easy. You're supposed to get more holy. (laughs) Your environment doesn't change. The world ain't changing. If anything, it's getting more chaotic and crazy, but you've changed because you're more holy. So when you walk into the room with the Holy Spirit inside of you, now your environment's still chaotic, but you've got a sound mind. Now everybody at work starts to come and be like, man, I'm so confused, but I I see that you really got a clear mind. Can you give me some wisdom on this? Yup. Yes, I can. I spent time with the father and actually while you were saying that I felt in my spirit, boom, You think I'm joking? This is the wisdom that Solomon prayed for. Lord, I don't know how to lead, but you do. So teach me your ways. And as I spend time in your presence, Lord, you just lead me and guide me. And I don't know what I'm doing, but you do. So now you don't start answering questions out of pride. You start going to him and he starts revealing things to you. And through humility, ooh, And here, here's, the, here's the reality of it all. When you humble yourself with the Father, when those things come, you don't try to deal with them in your own power. You see, when we start to deal with things in our own power, it's when we start to get off because it becomes an us issue, not a him issue. Do you hear me? It becomes an us issue, not a him issue. So now we start to deal with things out of our own power rather than his power. So when I sit in his presence, he teaches me, and then he sends me. So I sit in his presence, he teaches me, and then he sends me. So now I do things through humility rather than pride, rather than a fixer. I just become a sound mind amongst the chaos. Oh, what if we got this? What if we understood the power that he holds in his presence and then anything and everything that's on the outside can't affect us? I was driving with my kids this this last week 
and, and they were talking about someone and they said, man, dad, they know everything that's going on in the world. Why don't we? And I said, what are you talking about? Like, well, you know, they knew like all the facts. And I was like, well, we don't watch the news. <laughs> and my son Roman goes, yeah, dad, you're right. You never watch the news. <laughs> Is that why we don't know anything? And I was like, well, it's not that I don't know anything. It's just that I trust him more than the news. <laughs> it was a funny conversation. I got to be genuine. It was, it was a funny conversation. But what, what the reality is, is my youngest daughter, Sloan, then said, she said this line. She said, yeah, some people just keep the news on all day, huh, dad? I was like, yeah. And then the wisdom of London, she was like, yeah, that's not very wise, is it, dad? I'm like, no, London, it's not. Why? Because that's all we're filling our mind with. And so now, now, don't we have a wavering mind because we have a wavering environment? Ooh! And so our house becomes this wavering mo moment where uh, dinner time is confusing and lunch time is confusing and, and sleep is confusing and I can never find peace in any area of my home and I just want to retreat and leave. And when I pull up in the driveway home from work, I sit in my car for like an hour telling myself, you have to go in. This is some of your reality because you don't want to face what's on the other side of your door, but God wants you to know that you have power over those spirits. If you spend time in his presence, you see the things that you're facing on a daily basis, those things that you're coming up against. And it's like, I don't know how to do this. God does. And so when we get into alignment with his word, when we get into alignment, we say, Hey Lord, it's you and only you. And he leads and he guides. Ooh, Psalms 56, verse 3. It says, when I felt so heavy in my spirit to share this one with you this morning, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It doesn't say you're not going to fear. It says when you fear. So fear is going to try. It's your response to it that matters. So if you're sitting in the room and you're like, man, all, I, I, I deal with anxiety and fear on a, on a regular basis. It's not uncommon. Let's deal with it. This giant has to die. This giant of fear in your home, in your mind, in your life, it has to die. And when it does, the freedom on the other side is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Jonah 1. I want to wrap up today with the story of Jonah. I feel such clarity in this story as God revealed this to me to share. In Jonah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. You don't get a clearer command than that. That's pretty clear. The Lord spoke to him, told him exactly what to do. Super clear. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away. What? That easy? There wasn't even an in-between verse. It's just Jonah ran. But Jonah ran away from the Lord 
and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed from, for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Hear me. And I, I've read this story not, a, a million times over. I've heard it with a felt board. I've heard it in Sunday school. I've, I've heard this story. Okay. I get it. When I said, Jonah, you're like, I know the story in and out. When I read this story again, what jumped off the page at me as I was in, in the presence of the Father and he was revealing, Jonah paid. Jonah paid to run from the Father. Ooh. Jonah didn't just disobey. He was willing to take out of his bank account to run. <laughs> what? Not only did he say, no, I'm good. I'm running. I'm out thinking that he's going to outrun the father. Number one, he was willing to give seed into his disobedience. Oh, oh, this is so good. The, the seed that you are sowing, are you sowing to run from the call that God has on you? Now, some of you put this story in Bible text, so it's, ah, that was him. He heard from the Lord. No, no, no. The Lord is calling on you. What are you putting your seed into? Oh, it jumped off the page. And I'm like, whoa, this, this boy, crazy. Fear will always cripple your impact. Some of you need to write that down. Fear will always cripple your impact. You will never be able to have a full impact until you get a hold and cast out the spirit of fear. Verse four, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I want this to, to just come to you as a warning. Jonah was so comfortable in his running that he was even able to fall asleep. So Jonah said no to the Lord, paid a seed into his running, and then was so comfortable with it, fell asleep. Some of you have been in your same routine for so long, you can even sleep like a baby. Nothing affects you. There are storms going all around you, and you're like, oh, I'm good, man. I can even sleep. That's a problem. That's a problem. Check it out. He fell into a deep sleep. Verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? God will always expose you. God will always expose you if you don't expose yourself. That's Bible. If you're living in the private moments, expecting to just get away with it, let me have a pastoral warning for you. God will always expose you in due time. 
That's why we say before the father, he knows everything. And so here I am, I'm an open book and I'm giving it all to you. You, you, you know, everything, what we do in the private will be exposed to the public at some point, unless we reveal it and show light on it. Okay. Verse nine, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So look at the turn of events. Jonah heard the Lord, ran from the Lord, sowed a seed into disobedience, fell asleep in the storm, now is awoken and said, hey, here's the deal. I didn't even come out with this. It just landed on me. So now I've got to own this. It's me. I'm the issue here. And you're going to have to throw me over sea, over the boat, into the sea. I don't know. Walk the plank. <laughs> I don't know. At this moment, every decision Jonah had made is now coming to pass. I'm good. Pastor, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. Are you? Is this really the way you want to live? Are you sure you're okay with being disobedient now? So now Jonah is thrown over sea. And God, in his grace and mercy and his love, he sends a fish. It's brilliant. I just sent pirates, but God sent a fish. Wouldn't pirates have been so much better? Hey, matey, get on board. You know? Then they could have had like this whole like Holy Ghost. No, God sends a fish. God sends a fish, and it swallows Jonah up. Now, be Jonah for a second, okay? Don't take yourself out of being. Be Jonah for a second. You're swimming like, Lord, I know I disobeyed. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see Pinocchio come up and, and eat you. Well, just comes up and just eats you. What are you thinking? Going down his belly. I'm like, oh my word, Lord, what is this? Now he's in the belly of a whale or a fish, whatever, a big fish, you know, dinosaur type fish, just massive. Now he's sitting in the belly of a whale. Check this out. From inside the fish, Jonah 2, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he and he 
answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I'm too far gone. No, you're not. Looks like you're in person today, not in a fish. Looks like you're doing pretty good. You're not too far gone. Don't end up in the belly of a fish. Let me warn you, this is now. Don't get to there and have to now come out of something that you let yourself get into. Ooh, verse three. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Verse four. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath bared me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to the worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Oh, this is so good. Jonah went from all of these, these, these series of events of disobedience to now in the belly of a fish. And he's like, Lord, if, if, if you will get me out of this, I'll be obedient. I know fear drove me here, but I will go. Can I ask you a question this morning? Worship band, you can come, please. Can I ask you a question this morning? Where is fear taking you? Where is fear driving you? Where are you headed right now because of fear? You see, Jonah didn't just say no. Jonah, out of fear, ran. You can't sit here and tell me that's not a spirit. Because when Jesus said, hey, I need you to go, Nineveh needs you. Jonah listened to the other spirit. You can't handle that. You shouldn't do that. And I love the fact that there's no in-between verse because it just says Jonah ran. Because that's what fear does. You can be on your journey, loving God, loving everything about it. And all of a sudden, something steps in. It's like, oh, nope, I'm done. And fear has a hold and a grip on your walk in obedience. And so what happens is you become so consumed with it, you'll do anything possible to stay from it. That's where Jonah started paying seed into. Went out of his way to get out of alignment with the Father. So I ask you this morning, where is fear taking you? Have you given fear a hold and a grip on your life? And if so, we're going to slay that giant today. Come on, stand with me. Everybody standing, please.